gets to a point where it's just like, stop throwing up, guy. Are you doing it all the time? No. I wasn't aware that you were doing it. Is this like a weekly I, I, thing? I, no. I wasn't aware you were a serial Bottomless mimosas. We were drinking bottomless, bottomless mimosas great. all day. But it was mostly brunch? the juice. Did you go to brunch? I didn't eat. Is that what it was? That's why I threw up. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah, it's all that orange juice, that's a lot of acid in your it belly, was, man. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's that's what it was, honestly. That's too much. It was, yeah, and I kept telling him, but he wanted to save his sparkling. Don't make it bottomless, but at the same time, I understand. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, you know, what it's you gonna do? Whiskey, whiskey, beer, weed. I could do those three fine. Yeah. Any of the other stuff hurts. Yeah. Do you think you're going to like New York better than San Francisco? Not better. I grew up here, so it's really just like I have uh, uh, some time in New York, and then I, it, will I want to move on from New York ever? Probably when I get older. It's definitely, probably. You're going to – I, I uh, San Francisco's great. San Francisco's nice. Uh, very I've been to a lot of cities in the United States, yeah. and uh, San Francisco's top of my list. Very New Orleans is number two, it's but nice. it's just because I haven't been to so many places. But it, definitely in the South, New Orleans would be. You haven't been two. to that many places. I've been to a lot of places, just like like I've never been to Chicago or New York. So. There's a lot. Of, well, yeah. Exactly. That's what There's I'm saying. There's a lot saying. of places that's, where you haven't been. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I've been to L.A. You know. And, L.A. You know, Jersey. I wasn't interested in, in Texas. In, I've been all over Texas, all over the South. You, you name it, I've been there. Atlanta, Mississippi, all that shit. Yeah, me Louisiana. Too. I've been all over. I've done Florida. Saw. Yeah, Florida, Tallahassee. Uh, New York. You haven't been in New York. You've been all these places. You haven't been in New I York. I live in Alabama. What the fuck? I've been to, uh, I've been uh, in Nebraska. I've been, uh, every I was actually state born in Nebraska. In the continental, actually. <laughs> you were born in Nebraska? Yeah. I was, uh, I've actually been to uh, every state in the continental. I haven't been to Hawaii and Alaska, but I have uh, been, and more than once, to every state in this fine country of ours. And uh, I tell you, there's Alaska. Some you went shit to Alaska? To see. No, I haven't been to uh, uh, Alaska or Hawaii yet. Just drivers. Li- is that a driver's license? That's a driver's. I drive, baby. I drive. I drive women crazy. Oh, you do, don't you? Yeah, I do. Look at that. Is that yeah. your? Uh, is that your cat? Is that a capital? Yeah, that's a capital. That's how you do it. Drive them crazy. One, two, three, four, five, six. Hippie Sean, drive them crazy. Nope. We got identification examination crazy. going on here in the studio. Rolando Roblero. She doesn't look Hippie real. Hippie Sean. Uh, it's not a California driver's license. Frosty Nugs. I think you have to have a smog check to get your driver's license. If you have anything you'd like to hear, you got any questions you want to ask, give a call. 415-550-0511. We can put you live on the air. We're having a great time. It's just a little after the top of the hour. We got, we got, we got a, a while to go. We got a while to go. Uh, you know, we were talking about the homeless before, and uh, Mike is homeless and needs your help. Give safely and transparently with hand up, and that's key because Mike is a tenderloin area homeless man, and he needs your help, but he is embarrassed, and he also does not want to feel like he is a bother when he comes up to you on the street and tries to ask for money or ask for help in any way. Hand Up is like a third-party mediator that can help all homeless people raise a little money and get back on their feet. 
Go to handup.us slash m slash Mike D or text $5 to Mike D to 415-651-4483. Members can redeem your donation at Project Homeless Connect in San Francisco to pay for food, clothing, bills, and other basic needs. HandUp allows 100% direct giving. All participants are able to purchase items at free will with the money donated, but no cash is ever transferred, making sure that you can give anonymously as well as uh, keeping your uh, participant uh, somewhat in check by uh, not you know, just giving them cash to waste on things like booze and drugs. Although we all need some booze and drugs. But that's right. Handup.us slash M slash Mike D. Lend him a hand. Lend anyone else a hand that you care to. And that's Handup, a great organization supporting our homeless.
Imagine going to court with no trial, lifestyle, cruising blue behind my waters, no welfare supporters, more conscious of the way we raise our daughters, days are shorter, nights are colder, feeling like life is over, these snakes strike like a cobra, the world's hot, my son got knocked, evidently it's elementary, they want us all gone eventually, trooping out of state for a plate, knowledge, if coke was cooked without the garbage, we'd all have the top dollars, imagine everybody flashing, fashion, designer clothes, lacing your click up with diamond rolls, your people holding dough, no parole, no rubbers, going raw, imagine law with no undercovers, just some thoughts for the mind, I take a glimpse into time, watch the blend read, the world is mine, if I rule the world, imagine that, I free all my these last days until the way to be paradise life relaxing black latino and anglo-saxon the money exchange the range cast lost tribes your bass free at last brand new whips to crash that we laugh in the illipath the villa houses for the crew how we do trees for breakfast dime sexes have been stretches so many years of depression make me vision the better living type of place to raise kids in opening eyes to the lies history's told foul but i'm as wise as the old owl plus the gold child seeing things like i was controlling click rolling Tricking six digits on kicks and still holding trips to Paris. I civilize every savage. Give me one shot, I turn tripe life to lavish. Political prisoner, set free, stress free. No work release, purple and threes and jet skis. Fill the wind breeze in West Indies. I think Coretta Scott King, mayor of the cities and reverse things to Willies. It sound foul, but every girl I meet to go downtown. I'd open every cell in Attica, send them to Africa. Making moves in Atlanta back and forth scrambler Cause you can have all the chips Be poor or rich Still nobody want a nigga have a shit If I rule the world and everything in it Sky's the limit I push the Q45 infinite It wouldn't be no such thing as jealousies or be felony Strictly living longevity to the destiny I thought I'd never see but reality struck Better find out before your time's out What the fuck If I rule the world Imagine that I free all If I rule the world, 
living for today in these last days of time. If
All right, that was the Mars Volta. Before that, the Eruptors and Kulo Aboka, uh, both some some great punk rock. Uh, the Mars Volta and uh, there's another one that's the same guys. The yeah, they uh, were at the drive-in. At the drive-in. Uh, I think they might have been in something else as well. Like All great bands for I, sure. Man, Mars Volta is really, it's pretty out there. Yeah, I really dig that. Uh, it's kind of like taking the dead or fish or something and jamming them together with like more progressive stuff like Rush or, you know, Dream Theater. No, yeah, like they, <coughs> they're very psychedelic, but also very, uh, you know, yeah. very musically conscious, like very, uh, you know, a lot of odd times. They change. Yeah. Same guys. Great band. I love the Mars Volta. Uh, I think they recently split up, unfortunately, so there will be no more Mars Volta. Ah. Because at the drive-in took over. No, at the drive-in was even before that. Uh, no, the names last longer. Yeah. Huh? What do you think about that? Hey, Maybe? the drive-in didn't no. last. Uh, there's Mel's drive-in, but they don't have any movies. Um, what are you talking about? Why when I went to the Mel's drive-in. drive-in? That's what it's called, actually. Mel's, that diner was uh, Mel's Drive-In. Yeah, it's not a drive-in. That's I what I said. You know, I used once. to go to the drive-in when I was a kid with my dad. And, uh, you know, it was in uh, a town on Long Island. Sonic's is a drive-in. Sonic's is a drive-in. Sonic's is a drive-in. Definitely drive-in. It's a drive-up, actually. That's a, yeah. It's called a drive-in. Is drive-in theaters different than a drive-in? Are, yeah. are they different things? Yeah. Hackers is a drive-through. Yeah, drive-in movie one. theater was like you go and watch a huge movie screen. You see your was car. But was the Mel's? Was that the no. diner? I don't, I don't know if Mel's was ever a diner. No, there well, was a di- there were diners there. People hung out. At the yeah, fucking, I thought they were fucking the drive-in, nice. dude. The fucking drive-in. I don't know at if that's before. The drive-in. Like, I think that's when TVs were really expensive. And people just didn't own TVs. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, no, well, yeah. you know, actually, I mean, I am I think not, it was a thing, though. I think going to the movies in your car was a thing. Yeah, the drive-in was very yeah. popular. It was a dating scene. Everyone was like, you go to the drive-in yeah, the with your dating. burgers. Um, yeah. yeah, but the drive-in was pretty pimp. You watch the, mu- yeah, what's the, watch the movie from your car huh? and listen to the movie on the radio in your car. Yeah. The radio is just a, a broadcasting system. Or you could have that. They, it they was really a box. gateway Sometimes to sex. Sometimes they have a sex. box, though. It was really they a gateway. They have a box you can sit on the car with the, to with the sex. music on it. The drive-in was the ultimate hookup date in, like, the 50s and 60s, I think. Well, like, what do you have now? What are you going to do now? Uh, Well, you know, the beauty of the drive-in was that you were in your own car, so you had some privacy. Yeah. Whereas in the movie theater, you're surrounded by people. Yeah. Yeah. Ice Q, uh, Q-Tip got killed in Poetic Justice in the back of uh, Q-Tip? in a drive-thru. Yeah. Was that? Q-tip. It was at the drive-in. Poetic Justice was nineties. Yeah. It's a drive-thru. The, 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 no. Uh, no, no the movie came out in the nineties. I don't know if it was if it was about the nineties. That's just in a parking lot. <laughs> it had Tupac <laughs> and uh, John Jackson in it. Don't you guys remember that fucking Poetic Justice? Yeah, I remember Q-tip Poetic Justice. Killed in the drive-thru. I have to re-up on... At the beginning, they were in the drive-thru movie theater. She was with fucking Q-Tip, and they was kissing and shit. I don't know Q-Tip. I know Tupac, of course. Q-Tip, Tribe Called Quest. Okay, I know Tribe Called Quest. He but is like, that's a, the that's abstract. A, that's a, you know, 
It's the same as classical He's music. He's the abstract. He is the abstract. Tribe Called Quest. Tribe Called Quest. That's Q-tube's our background music. Tutu's probably the best. He's probably the, the best one, music. I guess. <laughs> He's well, oh, he, no, no, if no, he's no, not the best, music. he's definitely the most successful no, uh, no. tribe right. called Questrian. Oh, did you like that? That was right. good, all right. No, all but right, uh, it's about it. like the octaves of level that someone Janet can Jackson? sing. It's about, it's about their it's No, about their, that's, their mouth, that's Jermaine Dupri. Uh, you're born with the ability to sing or you're not, and that's just how it is. Yeah, hey, I agree you, with you that. You can massage yourself all you like. Or but whatever. you can't you cure can't. tone deaf. Ain't, Ain't no hearing aid tone for deaf. tone deaf. You tone know what I'm deaf. saying, motherfucker? Tone deaf is like, uh, Jesus. Tone, tone deaf, deaf is, is like, like uh, you just sing out of tune and you don't really even think you're out of tune. It's like you have no concept. Nah, it's not lack of rhythm. Of, no, of, no, no, no. It's, of, con- yeah. it's no. It's lack, lack of, of, uh, of tone. Deaf. It's lack of of. Tone. of Deciphering, you know, different notes, levels, yeah. and different octaves, and I'm things sure. like that. It's just like everything's monotone, basically. They have no idea that they're. Yeah, that's you know. no rhythm, baby. Ain't that's, no that's rhythm. Repeat. That's like uh, something once on repeat. Ain't no rhythm in monotone. <laughs> that, dude. Monotone. Uh, do you know yeah. what time it is? It is 1.40. It is 1.40, and that means it is time to play Notes from a Two Girls Sex right. Show DJ. What is it? What is that even? Oh, those are a lot of words. That is a lot of words. We haven't had a caller. We'll give it one minute. That's right. You have 60 seconds to call in live. 415-550-0511. If we have no callers in the next minute, we are going to play the game with our in-studio guest, Bay Area comedian Rolando Ribeiro. Are you up for the challenge? Um, yes. That is good to hear. I am. We're going to give about 45 more seconds. What are they doing? Why are they calling? What's the reason to call? Because they're going to play notes from a two-girl sex show DJ, our listener call-in game show, where you can win. What are they going to win this week, Sean? Two sex, two girls? Uh, I don't know. What's they the, are the going the sh- to win a $25 gift certificate to Taqueria Cancun. That's right. Everyone's favorite late-night taqueria, Taqueria Cancun, located in the Mission, downtown, and all over San Francisco for your finest tacos, burritos, and more. Taqueria Cancun. The game is... Say it again, Jamie. The game is notes from a two-girl sex show DJ. There you go. And what we are going to do is read the notes that the DJ took at a two-girl sex show. So imagine yourself at a two-girl sex show. What is that? Which is like at a strip club, you know. Uh, Two girls are dancing around Two girls are going to dance at the same time and play and have fun. So two girls dance around And then then the audience, which is nice uh, etiquette, is to tip okay and uh, so the game which you are obviously playing because we have had no callers yeah uh we are going to read the notes that the dj took that day uh, and you are going to tell us what see? were the tips oh, shit. what were the tips um Okay. What were the tips? Yes, what were the tips? So we're going to read you the notes, and you are going to tell us how much 
did the ladies make in that particular notes. two girls show? Are the notes in front of you? The notes are in front of me. Okay, so ready? what's... All right, I'm ready. Are you ready? Yes. It was Tuesday afternoon, okay. four o'clock. In the audience, there was about two to seven people coming and going. Okay. They weren't the greatest tippers at first, but the show livened up and got real exciting. Uh-huh. All patrons threw at least $20. Is this a math question? It is somewhat of a math question. Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's also oh, okay. Is it a guy? Okay, an so estimate. They, all right, who? How much they would tip? Yes, you're gonna let us know how so much they tip. Can you just say like a, like a, a type of person, and then I'd be like, they probably tip this much, depending on if the ass, and then kind of critique the woman a little. Well, you don't even know these ladies, so you have to base it off of their stellar performance, which I am going to tell you right now was a stellar performance. Though there was two to seven people in the audience, that show rocked. In fact, they were kicking so much ass that they went from a normal two-song set to a extra third song. They all go to three. They all go to three, he says. Oh, you mean the two for the uh, the pay for to get them to dance around you? <laughs> I am talking about the number of songs they dance to. Normally in a two-girl show, it may be a two-song set. But this uh, show was so spectacular, they added a third song. Okay. One, two, three. Number three, that's my favorite number. And now, you tell me how much... Were the tips? How much were the fucking tips? Enough to. She still works there. Her dignity <laughs> isn't taken over. You come. How do you know? That? You must come within five dollars either direction. Whatever, fifty bucks. Fifty dollars, he says. Fifty dollars. So much. I'm sorry, Rolando. That day was a stellar show. They actually made $162. Multiple women? Multiple women, a Uh, two-girl sex show. That's right. Two women made that much between each other. We thank you. Two women made that between each other in about a total of seven to nine minutes. Damn near amazing. I tell you, that that stripper money. He wanted a fucking... They work together. Women work together. They do Strippers work, work with together. Women that don't fuck their husbands. I thank you for playing, Rolando. Notes from a two-girl sex show DJ. Brought to you by Taqueria Cancun. We're sorry you didn't win, but... Was I get it exact? We hope no. You get within five dollars, but you know it, it is a tough, it is a tough, tough game. We don't expect many winners. Last week we did have a big winner, Dalen Poland. That's right, Dalen Poland, big winner of our gift certificate. Yeah. But is that the game? That's that the was whole wonderful. game. That's it. That's the whole That's game. It, over. It's over. Yeah, don't you hear the music? It's playing, bro. It's rolling credits. That means game's fucking over and you fucking lost. How does that feel? It is rolling credits. Tell us about. Tell us a little about about that. About your feelings right now. What are you feeling? What's going through your head? 
Let's cut this music down. I don't know. There's like I want to talk. <laughs> I want to say some, things. You know. Let's give you but some ominous music. I got some. I got some more music. Yeah. Let's you. put a little like uh, you know like walk of shame music. Is like he's you know he just lost. It's not. It's, it's not good. He's feeling low. He thought he'd do better. There you go. Listen. Uh-huh. Uh, let's hear your feelings. What's what is this? Oh, just wait. I'm uh, sorry. Geico commercial. The, yeah, just. Uh, Geico is good commercials. Nah, it's horrible. Really bad. Right. Yeah, it's bad. I dream of Genie. There you go. Oh, now, Inception. Now tell us how you feel. <laughs> tell everybody how you feel. Go ahead. Remember, there are multiple levels to this dream. Is there tears in your eyes? What the fuck, man? <laughs> this is fucking hilarious. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, Jason Gordon Lovett is doing a good job. And, uh... <laughs> and, uh... What's his fucking name? Uh... Do you mean like in life? Chris, uh, Christopher Nolan is uh, is directing well. He's doing something right, and uh, he's making the whole movie a, a piece. He's not par- he's not parsing it up. He's not piecing it up. Uh, the music matches the frames, and it's, it's that's good. Christopher Nolan is just good. And he's serious. It's a pretty good review, man. You know? yeah. It's good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Think about uh, But how do you feel about uh, your loss? My loss? On notes from a two girl sexual DJ. I feel I don't feel nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you sound like the DJ <laughs> after seeing all of those sex shows. You feel nothing after a short while. It's a strip club yesterday. Yeah, how that how'd that go over? How much how much did you lose? Yeah, uh, <laughs> How much you lose? It's like going to a casino, I didn't right? Lose anything? I paid. Oh, you paid for something. That's uh, true. You do pay like for quality bucks. service. Sixty? Oh, that's that's nothing. Good. I used to I used to watch Not people. Uh, I used to watch people, uh, you know, look like they just lost everything in a casino in Vegas. Like they come in all happy and excited and shit, and then they walk out like, oh my god, what the hell just so happened? People dreams buying Donald Trump's. Uh, uh, stability. Yeah. That was some good shit, man. Patrice O'Neill was a, uh, and he is. Uh, I met him many times in New York. His hangout was. Uh, I'm sure you should. You should check this place out too. It's uh, Stand Up New York. Is it Stand Up? Stand Up New York. Is uh, that it? It's a club up on like 70. Uh, I think it's 78th or 79th in uh, Broadway. Um, about and, comics. Uh, is that in New York? Comics is no longer open, but yes, it is in New York. Oh, okay. Huh. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Patrice is, Patrice is good, man. Yeah, Patrice was great. He was really funny. Uh, he was always up there hanging out. That was uh, one of the places yeah, he I know was Patrice. definitely at the most. I know good Patrice. Oh, I don't God. know him personally. <laughs> yeah? I know his comedy. I know his stand-up. <laughs> yeah, all black people know each other. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's the... That's the like, all white people look the same? Or all Asians definitely look the same? Yeah. I'm not... I'm, I don't know. I can't. I can't be the... Uh... What? They, you know, all black people rob people, and all Asians look the same. Like, let's put it out there. That's rough. 
That's rough. I'm a black man. I can say these things. Yeah. I love white oh, women. Speaking oh, uh, of black men, I don't really love white some, women, uh, but whatever. Oh, white, white. Mm. That's a black thing. White women. That's black a, men. To even say it like that. I'm a black man. I like girls that are white. No, that's girls. That's Maybe how you're I supposed to see it. I haven't graduated that's to white to woman it. yet. I'm still in white girl. Are you territory. still doing girls? Ooh, I don't know. I I was it's messing about tonight. with a uh, a Googler. A Googler. Yeah. Wonder if she ever got that job. But was she she, uh, she was trying to be Google. She was Irish. She is Irish. Irish and French. No, she applied to Google, and she's just entrepreneuring her way through the tech industry in San Francisco. And uh, I went to a, th a Google Glass event, like before it was, she bought it. She bought the Google Glass. Google and Glass. That was like a, you know, but she's, I wouldn't, I mean, she's a woman, sure. Like, she's talking about buying a cabin in Ireland. Whoa. Very you know? hot. So that's, and she's 20, early 20s, somewhere around that, 23, I think. And, but that's, you know, that's a, but is that a white woman? No. That's yes. Of course it is. That's a girly. No, but there's these so-called white women around here, around these parts, where we are right now. And would I call her woman? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe. It's not up to me. It's up to her dad and me. It's to the, the, the father <laughs> and the child. The father and the, the male determines if you're a woman or, or a girl. That That's works. why. Yeah, because... Females are could be a woman in their some guy's eyes, and you know he, she's trying to make she's trying to prove to her father that she's a woman. You know, that's what we're doing with dads too. I haven't really analyzed that stuff though. Yeah, I'm well, closer, I'm. It's a. I have a. I will tell you one thing: all dads like what I hop, I hop. They all like I hop. That's Miss. Benita Applebaum. Who's Miss Benita Applebaum? <laughs> Benita Applebaum? Can you let me know? What's happening right now? Who's Benita Applebaum? <laughs> Is she? <laughs> it's not the name. <laughs> oh, okay. Question the authority.
to tell you things some brothers don't. If only you could see through your elaborate eyes. I have the right tactics And if you need them I got crazy prophylactics So far I hope you like rap songs Bonita Applebum You gotta put me on Bonita Applebum You gotta put me on Bonita Applebum I said you gotta put me on Bonita Applebum You gotta put me on Bonita Applebum I said you gotta put me on Bonita Applebum Notice Corporation, TAN is a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in the state of California, USA, to promote, network, and educate the creative arts worldwide. They are actively working towards moving their business offices from Palo Alto, California to San Francisco, California, scheduled for 2011, but they need your support to make this happen. If you enjoy the creative arts, including dance, film, literature, music, theater, visual arts, and multimedia, in your life and community, then please visit their website at theartsnoticed.org and make a donation. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Oakland Art Murmur is a coalition of art and cultural venues dedicated to increasing popular awareness of and participation in the arts in Oakland, with an emphasis on visual art. They promote visual art in Oakland through collective marketing and outreach efforts and our monthly First Friday events, which are open to the public and attended by hundreds of local and visiting art enthusiasts. The First Friday Art Walk has grown to include street performances, one-night-only art installations, activists raising money and awareness for local social service organizations, and political initiatives. For more information about the Oakland Art Murmur, go online at www.oaklandartmurmur.com. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. All right, we're going to keep some music rolling. It's the top of the hour. Soul Sausage on air. 2 a.m. on the West Coast. 5 a.m. on the East Coast. And I guess it's the time for a little fish. Enjoy this one.
Sunny Melendez, and the first song we're going to play is called Claudia Casey. That she wrote it for a documentary on Netflix called The Claudia Casey.
Hey everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today it's Friday, May 28th, 2021. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. Um, that's where <laughs> we usually are. But if you're listening for the first time, thanks for tuning in. We are located in San Francisco, which is on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatouche Ohlone people. And for more information, please go to weeklyrev.org. And on our land acknowledgement tab, we've got a lot of links and resources and information. So again, please go to weeklyrev.org and click on the land acknowledgement tab. And coming up, we're going to play an interview I did earlier this week. And many folks who are familiar with Mutiny Radio remember Global Val hosted a show, Women's Magazine, as well as Common Thread Collective. And it was so great to, to catch up. And we talked about the San Francisco Public Defender's Office and so much more, as well as an upcoming event that's happening that's put on by the Tenderloin Museum. And folks will be able to see that as it will be an online event. So uh, we just talked about a lot of really important and interesting things. So I'll be playing that momentarily. I did want to introduce the music that we shared here. The first song was a song I heard for the first time by a band called uh, Wise Blood. And it's called Generation Y, W-H-Y. And I heard that in a film called VHS, which I'd been wanting to see and finally got to see and enjoyed immensely. Also, I want to recommend the show Hacks uh, on HBO Max. I've been enjoying that as well. So always good to plug uh, art that uh, has heart to it. And yeah, and then uh, there's a band called the Linda Lindas, and I had heard their, their Claudia Kishi song. Um, there's a documentary lives on Netflix about Claudia Kishi of the Babysitter's Club. I was a big fan of the series when I was younger. And um, so this performance, and I'll be playing uh, more songs throughout the show today, it was from the LA Public Library. And this is part of Teentastic Tuesday's AAPI Heritage Month kickoff with the Linda Lindas. And this happened on May 4th of this year. And the full video is available on YouTube. And I'll be sharing some music throughout the program uh, today. So wanting to share that. And also, it's just so encouraging seeing young people uh, put their art out there in the world. All right, I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, <laughs> interview here. I uh, pre-recorded it. That's been one thing we've been able to do with the pandemic is I guess we could have also done it ahead of time prior to the pandemic. But that's been something that's been helpful in terms of engaging with folks who wouldn't be able to make it into the studio otherwise or do it live. So here we go, and we'll be checking in afterwards. It's about a 32-minute interview. So, And we'll also be providing links on our page at weeklyrev.org. There'll be a post up later today with um, many of the links that we're talking about, and as well as the book that Jeff Adachi wrote, and the documentaries that he has made as well. So yeah, look for that later today. All right. <laughs> Roman, it's nice to be back on your show at Mutiny Radio. This is uh, Val Ibera, a.k.a. Global Val, uh, many, many years at Mutiny Radio, and mm -hmm. it's a pleasure to be back on the show today in a different capacity. Um, yeah. I, I now work for the San Francisco Public Defender's Office as the public information officer, um, so I'm really proud that I laid a lot of my media foundation right there at Mutiny um, to kind of bring me to this to this uh, time and place. And so I, I want to thank you for inviting me on today to talk about some of the events and projects that are going on with the Public Defender's Office. Yeah, very much looking forward to that. And I thought perhaps we could also just talk about what the uh, Public Information Officer, what are you responsible for? Well, I am the liaison for press. 
And so I uh, work on press releases and press statements, and I, I, I speak with reporters and, um, and do a lot of the external communications mm -hmm. for our office. Um, but I also do a lot of the internal communications as well. So I, I you know, keep track of who in our office has been quoted in the press uh, any given day or week. So I'm, you know, sending out weekly uh, news roundups to the whole department, um, which is, I think, a really interesting thing that's, uh, you know, I've been doing and building up to, and, and I do it, um, you know, regularly at this point in time. Uh, the pandemic has been an interesting gift. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, any way that we can all, you know, stay connected uh, is really important. And so um, I really enjoy being able to um, keep people connected within the department, even though we're not all in the building anymore. Got it. And then, uh, yeah, and, and then also working on a few other really interesting creative projects that we're going to talk about today. That Great. Well, please. Um... Go ahead, we can start off with the, the upcoming event um, at the Tenderloin Museum and then go from there. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad you reached out to me about this event. Um, so on J June 2nd at the Tenderloin Museum, um, there's going to be an event that features the, um, well, kind of the life and times, but also a specific book that was written by the late public defender, Jeff Dotti. Um, who was public defender for 22 years. Mm. Uh, San Francisco still wow. is the only uh, county in, in California that has an elected public defender. Mm. Um, so uh, he's you know, widely regarded and respected, not only as an as a amazing attorney, but also as um, a filmmaker and a writer. Um, mm. So he was a bit of a Renaissance man. Um, and so he had written a, a book um, prior to his passing, about the first public defender of San Francisco, whose name was Frank Egan. Mm -hmm. um, uh, incidentally, this year is the 100th anniversary of the San Francisco Public Defender's Office. Mm. And so Frank Egan became public defender of San Francisco in 1921. Um, he was a former police officer, um, and he was kind of a, a, a man about town. Um, and then he ended up being uh, tried for murder, <coughs> excuse me, murder and conspiracy. Oh, wow. Um, for the death of, of a, a woman in San Francisco. And so uh, the book that Jeff Adachi wrote is is the, the case of Frank Egan, mm -hmm. Murder and Scandal in the 1930s. Mm. And uh, so that book is going to be featured as part of the conversation at the Tenderloin Museum June 2nd. Oh, wow. It's, it's really interesting to me. I've read the book, and we, we had our own panel that you can find on our YouTube channel. Mm. But um, and, and at this particular discussion on, coming up at the Timberland Museum, uh, it will be a, a panel discussion with Matt Gonzalez, who's the chief attorney in our office, um, and uh, you know, kind of our, our resident historian, if you will, um, along with Shaku Wilson, who's a longtime um, managing attorney in our office. Both of whom worked very, very closely with Jeff Dachi. Um, and uh, it's it, the, the book itself is a really great read. Um, mm -hmm. He's writing it, you know, I mean, he's a defense attorney, but uh, there, there was no actual court transcript of Frank Egan's trial. Mm. That, that, so not, not, none known in existence. Um, but 
at the time, there were so many different newspapers in San Francisco that there was a throng of reporters in court every single day kind of fighting to get the, the day's headline. Um, and so he literally had to go back and piece together the history um, from the headlines and from these articles. It, I mean, it's been written about in, in some other um, respects as well. David Talbot wrote about it in Susan the Witch, mm-hmm. um, most notably and recently. Um, but the way that Jeff Hadachi tells it, it, it becomes this, this gripping read um, as the investigation unfolds and, and the theatrics of the courtroom. Um, so it's uh, it's it was pretty interesting um, that it, it happened to be um, published posthumously um, in this uh, centennial year for the office. Yeah, I thought something you mentioned early on I was just curious about was that why is San Francisco the only a city in California with an elected public defender? That is a really great question. Now, I don't know why we elect one and other counties do not. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the history behind that, but there is a lot of conversation out there about, well, why do all district attorneys get elected? Why mm-hmm. do all sheriffs get elected? And mm-hmm. yet, um, most public defenders are appointed. Right. So, they, in, in, you know, politically speaking, um, it, it's a more um, precarious position to be in if you're in an appointed position. So you might be appointed by a mayor or a, or a city council. Um, and then, you know, so therefore some of the decisions that you're making um, are, are going to get that sort of um, scrutiny mm-hmm. if you're doing things that people don't like. Um, but as, a, as an elected public defender, uh, Manel Raju is our elected public defender now, mm-hmm. um, and he's been in the office for a dozen years um, already, and uh, was kind of the natural pick um, to, to to follow Jeff Hadachi. Um, but it does give our city, um, our public defender, uh, a position of um, you know just a- being able to answer to the public and having a little bit more independence. Um, you know, we have a policy unit, so we push for a lot of different local and statewide legislation, um, and, and we, and you know, therefore gives him you know a little more leverage um, in in pushing for some of the changes that we want to see to criminal legal ethics. That's I, I didn't know any of that, so thank you for sharing that information. I have learned <laughs> so much since I've been here. Uh, I feel like I accidentally. Um, you know, jumped into law school. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's it's really quite the journey. It's really inspiring as well. I bet. I bet. And yes, this upcoming event sounds really interesting, as well as the book. I was looking at the uh, link from the Timberland Museum that they sent. So it looks, looks very fascinating. Yeah, and, th- and they've shown some of his films in the past, and, um, and actually they're going to show one of his documentary shorts that evening as well. Um, and, and to kind of tie in uh, to both filmmaking and the Tenderloin, and um, we have a new program, <coughs> excuse me, uh, an art and media initiative um, that, that our office has started called the Adachi Project. Oh, um, cool. And it's inspired by Jeff, and, you know, and af- obviously named after him um, because he really wanted to use film documentary film to, um, you know, to, to broaden um, 
the lens and, and let the public see kind of the ins and outs of, of the system that we don't often see. And so the Adachi project that we've started just in the past, um, we've just been working on it for the past year or so, and we've finally got a final approval, <coughs> excuse me, by the city <coughs> uh, back in December. Um, and, and, that, and, that's, and that's part of our goal there, which is we want to illuminate these unseen perspectives and amplify these unheard voices uh, mm. of people who are impacted the most by the criminal legal system, yes. uh, those who are caught up in it for one, one reason or another. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, we've, we've put out three films so far. And um, the first one that we released actually is about um, a halfway house in the Tenderloin. Mm. Uh, the address of it is 111 Taylor Street. Yeah. So the, the name yeah. of the film is 111 Taylor during the pandemic. So it happened to be, um, you know, we were kind of interested in, in highlighting um, the, the ins and outs of, of what it means for people who are living, uh, you know, are on parole. And it happened to be that the pandemic hit. And um, we had a couple of clients who were living at 111 Taylor, which is owned and operated by Bio Group, the multi-billion-dollar private prison industry um, corporation, <sighs> rather. Um, so Geo Group runs 111 Taylor, and um, our clients who were living there were saying, that, "You know, this is scary. We don't know what's going on." Right. Um, and we have that kind of unique relationship with with these folks because we, the rural we here are their public defenders, and they, they trust their public defender, um, probably more than anybody else in the entire system. Uh, and so um, we ended up getting a camera to, to um, one of these people uh, who began recording what was going on and, and the lack of social distancing and the fact that people inside were having to uh, clean, you know, but weren't, didn't have the proper PPE. Um, mm -hmm weren't necessarily being told to wear masks, or some people were not allowed to wear a mask because mm -hmm. of their parole conditions. Um, and so uh, that, that uh, so I definitely recommend, um, all of these films are available on wearedefender.com. Mm -hmm. um, what's, I mean, 111 Taylor has already had some impact. Um, there's a, there was a, another res, uh, there was another outbreak of COVID-19 um, just this past January that was exposed by a current resident. Um, that current resident, um, or the resident at the time, um, is Keith Malik Washington, who's the mm -hmm. uh, new editor-in-chief of the SF Bayview yeah. National Black Newspaper. So he exposed a, a new outbreak, and he, he's not our client, but um, you know, he talked to Tim Redman at 48 Hills, told him about this outbreak. Tim Redman called the uh, 111 Taylor they lied, they denied that there was an outbreak there, <sighs> then they had to eat their words after they showed them the document that had been posted in the center, um, and then uh, Malik Washington's faced a lot of retaliation from mm. the uh, GEO group and the Bureau, Federal Bureau of Prisons um, that he's now suing them um, mm -hmm. uh, because of that retaliation. But our, the, our film came out right when all of that was happening, so it helped to kind of bolster his case. Um, and to show this this long, ongoing pattern of uh, neglect um, against people who are who are, you know, among the most marginalized folks in our society. Yes. Um, and during a global pandemic, when everyone deserves to be safe, 
and um, our institutions. We've seen so many uh, failings of various institutions throughout this process. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, it was lending a, a glimpse into that, um, you know, against the, the recklessness of the private prisons, prison uh, industry. Mm -hmm. um, but, but the interesting now tie-in, I, I may be going, you know, a little bit fast and deep here. No, there's um, a lot to get to, but yeah, <laughs> go for it. The um, one eleven Taylor, uh, the address right there, is happens to be the site of the Compton Cafeteria riot. Mm -hmm. And so there's a movement from the Transgender Cultural District of San Francisco, which is the only cult transgender cultural district in the world that mm -hmm. that's so that we that I know of, or that yeah. we know of, um, and they are trying to reclaim spaces. And so, um, so that is another kind of piece of the puzzle, or or piece of the of the uh, of what we're building. Um, so now our office is involved in trying to bolster that effort. Um, unfortunately, Geo Group owns that building, um, and so it's. It, but you know, I mean, change sometimes change happens overnight, but sometimes you push for it, and yes, um, yes. and it comes later. You know, it took about eight years to shut down uh, the jail at 850 Bryant. Yes, that that's happened. Right. Um, yes, yes. And we're going to close down Juvenile Hall at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. That's happening. Um, yeah, yeah. Good reminder. Changes afoot. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I think sometimes it's easy to feel uh, like it's you know constantly uh, pushing a rock uphill. Like there's like if there's so much to undo, um, and at the same time, it's important to remember the victories that have happened. Right, right, and to and to keep looking at the horizon mm -hmm. um, for those for those spots of light, for those openings, for those opportunities. Um, it's it's stoked for us. Um, you know, the need to really address what happens. I mean, we were already focused on this, but particularly now uh, focusing on what happens to people who are, when they're released from prison. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people still receive $200 in gate money, which is the same amount that they received, like, in the you know, 30 years ago. Um, and, you know, if you've been in prison for any amount of time that, uh, you know, you might not have clothes that you're ready to mm -hmm. walk out the door in. So, right. you know, you can buy your sweats and t-shirt with your gate money. And by the time you're out the door, you know, you got a hundred bucks. <laughs> what are you going to do? Far. Right. You know, so, um, so it's a, um, it's, it's a, an area we're really looking at is what happens with, you know, people who actually are released um, mm -hmm. and go to, you know, re-entry places like like halfway houses, mm -hmm. um, but um, unfortunately, so many of them are now owned and operated by the private prison industry. Yeah. Um, but so you know, wanting to shift those kind of resources to community-based programs who actually yes. have, you know, the incentive and and the and their compassion rooted in the community, right. um, and wanting to see what you know. People do their best, yes. um, but of course, in the private prison industry, is their you know profits are the bottom line. Right, right. Yeah, it makes me think. I I write to a couple of folks who are incarcerated, and just hearing what was happening during the pandemic and how 
so many folks got infected and how so many people who are working there just did not, and this was in California, just did not care and how heartbreaking that is. It's like already into being also just to be cut off from visitors, from like family and also just how expensive it is to either to email or to call or to buy uh, goods at the commissary, just like soap and just things that I think a lot of us take for granted. It's just, it's so heinous, honestly. Yes, it, it is. And right now, actually, uh, this week and, and probably continuing on next week, um, there's a hearing in Marin County Superior Court mm. um, against, there, there's, a, it's three, over 300 petitioners from San Quentin mm-hmm. have filed for habeas uh, corpus, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, which is claiming Eighth Amendment violations of cruel and unusual punishment deliberate indifference on on the uh, behalf of the state um, California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation and also San Quentin um, because of the heinous transfer of 121 people from uh, one prison uh, in Chino, California uh, Mm -hmm. last May. So at the time, uh, that prison in Chino, California Institute for Men, um, was was the coronavirus hotspot in the mm-hmm. California state prison system. And then those 121 people were transferred to San Quentin, which until that time had zero known cases of coronavirus. Um, and uh, the people were not tested, you know, right before they were, they were brought. Um, and they were peddled together in small spaces on a bus for 11 hours, and then they weren't... Um, you know, quarantined or isolated when they arrived at San Quentin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw the worst uh, carceral outbreak uh, last summer uh, where over over 2,000 people, I think it was 2,600 people mm. at San Quentin had become infected. Mm. And 28 died. And one staff member also died. And so that case is ongoing. Our office um, along with a few other um, public defender offices and private defense offices are um, are participating in this hearing and representing over three oh, these over 300 plaintiffs. Mm. Um, so if you wanted to follow what was going on there, um, mm-hmm. it's happening in Marin County Court. Yeah. The link to watch is on the, the Zoom calendar. Okay. Um, on Marin County's court, or you can look at our website on sfpublicdefender.org. Okay. Um, we have a, uh, a habeas page, or you can find it on our media page. Great, thank you. Yeah, I'll be. Um, we have a, a website now that uh, goes along with the with the show, so I'll be providing the links uh, after the show goes on the air. Excellent. I'm mm-hmm. so happy to hear that you're doing that. You're uh, doing the show. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's evolving as well. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much. There's unlimited amounts of news and information that uh, people deserve to know. So happy to pr- provide, even if it's just a, a little bit at a time. Happy to get it out there. Well, I, you you know, I appreciate that, and uh, I appreciate your you're always looking for stories uh, about justice. Um, Finding too many stories about injustice, but that's, yes, that's how that's how we rattle the mm-hmm. cage, Roman. Yes, yes, yeah. 
your sty because the sty oh. says a lot um the sty is a healthy thing you know mm-hmm. one of the things i was i was explaining to someone about the, especially the adachi project and we have a couple other films that have come out too mm-hmm. um one that just came out yesterday um which i can talk more about but yeah you know the the, the subject matter is heavy mm-hmm. if you're not you know it, it is heavy however the ultimate goal is to grow compassion right right and, you know, we, uh, I'll just kind of be blanket about it, right? Society writes off, often writes off people who are, you know, either in jail, um, in prison, coming out of jail, coming out of prison, have a re- criminal background, right? Those are the folks who get written off a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just in, in society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, what we're, what we're doing with the Adachi project is, is bringing the work of public defense, which is getting in close, knowing who who these folks are, who our clients are, who their families are, what their community, what communities they come from, um, because we represent those. You know, we represent the actual humans in the room who are going to be potentially suffering the most consequences from the actions of the system that continuously dehumanizes people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, by, by looking at these kind of, we talk about the system as being, you know, this broken thing. Well, the system is doing as it was designed to do. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about the system, it's such this big, massive, cloudy idea. So with the Adachi Project, we want to look at these micro-realities. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, we our, our, the film we released is called From Inside, mm-hmm. and it's conversations with people in San Francisco County Jail. Again, incidentally, this all happened this year, but um, during the pandemic. So in those early days, the anxiety, the stress, the fear, the feeling dehumanized, the feeling oppressed, um, you know, these are the types of feelings that happen to people in jail, regardless of a pandemic. Yes. And then it's amplified by mm-hmm. this fear that they could p- potentially die, right? Right. That this being in jail, you know, whether you've, you, you might be in jail because you couldn't afford bail at the time, mm-hmm. right? So like so many people. Right, like hundreds of people <sighs> are in jail before they're even brought to trial. So, right. you know, we, we, we like to say innocent until proven guilty, but one of the things that the, uh, one of the people in the film says, you know, you're, you're guilty and then you have to prove that you're innocent, mm-hmm. which is really more along the lines of how the system tends to work. Yes. Um, you know, and, and so we wanted to, to bring that experience out. And there's, it, it is done like a film um, in the sense that there's artistic graphics that are kind of distorted, kind of disorienting, trying to bring that experience of like the racing mind that someone would have um, being, you know, locked in that position. Um, and then the, the third film that we that we did is, uh, I think it's a little bit more, it, it's, it's, it's on a different tack than the other two. Um, and it's called 44 Years Later. Mm-hmm. And Roman, were you st- still at Mutiny when we were, or were you there when we did that big, um, and participated in the end mass incarceration project? We had all the letters and art on the walls from people yes 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 yeah and so around that time there were also um, hunger strikes 
um, in prisons, like at Pelican Bay, there was a big hunger mm -hmm. strike. And so that was several years ago now. But one, mm -hmm. of, one of the people who um, was kind of a leader in, in the Pelican Bay hunger strike against solitary confinement, mm -hmm. his name is Paul Redd. Mm -hmm. and Paul Redd um, was convicted of a very serious crime at age 19. Um, he, uh, there was, it, his trial lasted three days from jury selection to verdict mm -hmm. and sentencing. Um, it was based on the sole um, testimony of a co-defendant uh, who got a deal and ended up doing no jail time. And so Paul Redd was sentenced to prison. Um, he spent the next 44 years in prison, um, 30 of which he spent at, very, at various intervals um, in solitary confinement. Mm. This, this remarkable human um, did not have his spirit crushed. He became a hospice worker. He mm. became an anti-violence mentor um, and, and facilitator. Um, he became, you know, loved by 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 so many folks. Um, and he was one of the uh, people who stood up. It was part of the hunger strikes, um, and they, it was part of the, the uh, landmark case that um, helped not end, but certainly revise the use of solitary confinement in California. Mm. Um, so um, there's basically anyone in prison who's not serving a life without parole, possibility of parole. Um, there, there, there's law in California that makes people eligible um, to have their sentence reviewed. Um, and so it used to be that the uh, only the prison could recommend folks um, for resentencing. Then a couple years ago, California law changed, and it also allowed district attorney offices to uh, petition the court to re to hear, uh, you know, to determine whether someone should be resentenced. And so, um, we do have a progressive uh, district attorney. Um, Thank goodness. What's that? Thank goodness. We d we do right, and and, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of these things that parts of the system that I've learned about. Just yeah. Being here for the past almost two years now, wow. um, that that you know I would have <sighs> not understood prior. Right, um, right. And so, um, because we have a progressive district attorney and this law exists, we at the public defender's office are, you know, um, able to help people file these petitions, mm -hmm. uh, complete their petitions to the district attorney. Yes. Right. Um, so that, um, in a very basic way, is kind of how Paul Red um, was able to have his uh, was able to have a resentencing hearing by the by the court, mm. um, and the, and then he was freed last May. Wow! So 44 years later is the film, and um, and it is mm. his first day mm. that he is free, and he, he his family has gathered. <sighs> Um, his older brother, his little sister, mm. the, the in-laws, the ne nephews, you know, who like know him but don't know him. Right, um, right. And so we were able to kind of capture oh. that first day. Um, and I, I, I mm. it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really powerful stuff. Um, yeah. You know, 
uh, I, I'm just so grateful for everyone who participates in it because it is really, uh, it is, this is, this is this work. I, I don't think really think I have a, an adjective for it. Um, but all of these films are, are short. They're, you know, five, six, 11 minute um, on wearedefender.com. Mm -hmm. So please check it out. There's there's editorials that accompany each one of them as well. Mm. Um, folks from our office um, and Paul Red also um, co-authored um, or authored part of the 44 Years Later editorial as well. Um, so you know we 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 want to we want to open people's eyes and hearts and um, and try to push for changes in the system that are going to yes. be more humane and and more effective. Right, right. Mass incarceration hasn't made us any safer, um, but it's destabilized um, millions of people across the country and millions right. of families across the country. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same conversation around with, you know, wanting to defund the police and, like, why is all this money and the U.S. military? It's like all this money goes into just causing great harm around the world. It's, I mean, it's so backwards. Yeah, absolutely, right? We when we know we can do things that are, you know, proactive, right. that's where we need to be investing um, our time and resources, right? Yes. As opposed to being punitive right, uh, right. on the back end of things. Yeah. If, yeah, if funding all these institutions were to make us safer, we'd be the safest place in the world. So clearly uh, not working. Right. So so that's, that's a touch um, of what... Our, our our city, our, our public defender's office, wow. um, what we're doing, um, looking out for a community, and, uh, and and looking for you know for ways to improve public safety, mm -hmm. you know, um, and th and that means giving people more support, right, yes. on the front end, on the mid end, on the back end, whatever it may be, right, right, right. support and 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 letting people, uh, giving people opportunities to thrive is what's going to keep them safe, what's yes. going to keep everybody else safe. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> that's, that's my report. Mm. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much, Val. I miss you. I miss seeing you at the station and I miss hearing your voice. So it's good I, to I miss connect. it too. I'm, thank you so much. This is a, an absolute pleasure to join you this afternoon. Uh, um, yeah, let's, let's keep the connection strong. And indeed. now that we're slowly coming, coming out of this pandemic a bit, uh, I'll I'll come back into the studio a little bit more and and not be so afraid afraid of the microphone. Oh sure, <laughs> that's all very understandable. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you, Roman. All right, so big thank you to Valley Vera for calling in and sharing so much information. Um, from the San Francisco Public Defender's Office, learned quite a bit. And as mentioned, we also have a web page where we will have uh, links to uh, many of the, uh, the, the films, upcoming event, and much more information and articles as well. Uh, that'll be coming up on rev.org later today. So I'm gonna take a bit of a music break. I'm gonna sort out some articles to share um, coming up next. So uh, yeah, please do stay tuned and we'll be back in a bit.
about my cat. Her name's Monica. Again, this was the band. Ah. <laughs> this is the band called the Linda Lindas, and this is from April, 
live performance at the LA Public, at NLA Public Library, I should say. And I'm going to continue along. There's a lot of articles I wanted to share today, so we'll see what we can get to. And again, big thanks to Val um, for, uh, for calling in and having this uh, conversation uh, earlier this week. Uh, so informative, so thank you again. And uh, this next up comes, it's uh, similar to the conversation we're having about just where the funding goes in this country and how backwards it is. This is a statement from Code Pink, which is a great organization that folks can follow and support. Code Pink statement on the Biden administration's $753 billion proposed Pentagon budget for 2022. Ugh. I, I don't know where that noise came from, but sometimes uh, I, I don't need, uh, uh, what, a, what a dumb world we live in sometimes. Anyway, let's see what's going on here. And uh, we'll also post a link to this article on our website. May 28, 2021, Code Pink, a women-led peace organization, calls on Congress to reject President Biden's record-high full-year uh, 2022, I'm assuming that's what FY stands for, FY, 2022 military budget of $753 billion, a $11.3 billion increase over the Trump administration's previous spendthrift military budget in supporting a minimum 10% reduction in Pentagon spending. Pink noted the annual savings could eradicate hunger and homelessness each year in the United States. But why would we do that? Why would we, you know, want to ensure that everyone has housing and and food uh, if we can go bomb another country? God, so stupid. Okay, anyway. I'm going to get myself together here. To the best of my ability. Whew. To spend nearly a trillion dollars to prepare for war pulls back the curtain on the Biden administration's professed interest in lifting people out of poverty, says Carly Town, Code Pink co-director. While millions of Americans are steeped in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, facing eviction, and struggling to pay medical bills amidst an ongoing health pandemic and recession, the administration hurls taxpayer dollars at an increasingly privatized for-profit war industry. Biden's budget includes upwards of $30 billion for new nuclear weapons slated to cost $1.7 trillion over the next decades, billions for the F-35 fighter jet, a boondoggle with an eventual $1 to $2 trillion price tag, $17.4 billion for an unnecessary space force that's so stupid. Oh, God, I'm gonna, I don't want to yell on the mic. I don't want to hurt your ears. However, it's so fucking stupid. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And at least $51.5 billion annually to maintain over 800 overseas bases and establish new ones in the Indo-Pacific, where the Biden administration's pivot to Asia sets us on a reckless and dangerous course toward war with China. So fucking stupid. Ugh. See, this is why I think I, I uh, <laughs> have to have uh, my own show here, is that if I were to work for a, a news agency... Uh, I would just have to swear too much and and call people uh, fucking war profiteers and warmongers and they can go fuck themselves. And I, you know, I mean, that's honestly what they are. Okay. President Biden's final Pentagon budget request uh, signals uh, alarming continuity with the Trump administration, which over the course of four years increased the Pentagon budget by $133 billion uh, with uh, bipartisan congressional approval. In light of the Biden administration's announcement that the United States will be withdrawing troops from Afghanistan by September 2021, the Pentagon budget should reflect a corresponding $50 billion reduction. Instead, Biden's proposed Pentagon budget of 
guessing that, let's see, let me make sure I'm using the right uh, dollar amount, $753 billion would provide the Department of Defense, and again, as I mention all the time, it used to be called the De Department of War, and they're like, oh, we need to sound nicer since we're out killing people, so let's, um, uh, let's call us the Department of Defense, so we can defend ourselves against uh, reality and um, kindness, I guess, I don't know, think of all other synonyms with good things, and uh, and defense, what defense could and should be. Okay, so da -da -da, with more money than the departments. Okay, so it's providing the Department of Defense with more money than the Departments of State, Justice, Education, Transportation, Health and Human Services, and the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, combined. <laughs> oh, God, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I have to laugh because it's terrifying and awful. At the same time that Biden is set to withdraw U.S. troops from, with from Afghanistan, Biden and Congress are using China as a justification for this massive increase in military spending by framing China as a danger to the U.S. and its allies. I think the U.S. is a, is a danger to itself and its allies, but that's my opinion. Biden's proposed Pentagon budget identifies China as a top challenge, that's in quotation marks, and Secretary of Defense Austin has stated China is our pacing, is our pacing threat? What? It's so fucking, st okay. I can't keep calling everything fucking stupid because eventually that's just, I'm have to rename the show that. In reality, the inflated threat of China's military pales in comparison to the United States military. The U.S. has over 800 overseas military bases, hundreds of which surround the borders of China. China currently has only one official overseas military base uh, located in Djibouti. Djibouti. Uh, this same tactic of threat inflation led to the U.S.'s catastrophic invasion of Iraq in 2003, the consequences of that intervention were not only horrific overseas, but also proved deadly and harmful for Arab, Middle Eastern, Muslim, and Muslim-perceived communities, said Madison Tang, coordinator of Code Pink's China is Not Our Enemy campaign. Today, we are already seeing the consequences of this escalation of war with China in the form of xenophobic violence that targets Asians and Asian Americans of various ethnicities across the U.S. Anti-Asian violence has increased 194% in the first quarter of 2021 compared to 2020, according to the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism. This pattern of heightened xenophobia and scapegoating for a minority group as a corollary to U.S. imperialist wars is not new and must be challenged. This push for rearmament, including hundreds of new land-based intercontinental ballistic missiles and submarine-mounted tactical nuclear weapons, comes amid concern the Biden administration's heated anti-China rhetoric and policies could plunge us into a nuclear war, said Marcy Winograd, coordinator of Code Pink Congress, a campaign to mobilize co-sponsors for progressive foreign policy legislation. There is no law of gravity, however, that compels President Biden, excuse me, um, but I would say that me burping on air is far less offensive than these fuckers trying to uh, raise the budget of the Pentagon. Okay. And that's my excuse. Okay. Uh, da -da -da. There is no law of gravity, however, that compels President Biden or Congress to continue funding the drive for nuclear rearmament or global omnicide. Ooh, I haven't seen that word before. Omnicide. Wow. At the end of the day, the federal budget is up to Congress to decide, not the president. We call on Congress to reduce the Pentagon budget by at least 10% and instead invest in what will truly make us safe, universal health care, good jobs, and addressing the climate crisis. Shouldn't be that difficult, but here we are. Act now. It's now more important than ever to contact your representatives, and they provide a link and send them the Code Pink Guide to 
Pentagon budget cuts to demand that they show their support to reduce the Pentagon's budget, the Pentagon budget, and invest in human needs. And they also have additional quotes and reaction on Biden's proposed Pentagon budget from the international community. The way the U.S. budget overemphasizes the military hurts the American people and the world. A tiny fraction of the money that President Biden is proposing for the military budget would save the lives of millions of children in Yemen. Wouldn't that be a better investment in the future than more bombs, warships, and nuclear weapons? That's from Aisha Juman, president of Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. This enormous Pentagon budget will only lead to more military conflicts, more bloodshed, more grief. We saw enough of that in Afghanistan for the last 20 years. It's time to invest in peace. And that's from Basir Bita, local activist in Kabul, Afghanistan. There are many places where the U.S. could and should spend money, spend more money. At least it can start by paying for some of the huge damages it has caused to the people in this country and abroad in the last several centuries. Increasing the military budget, however, only makes everything worse. And that's Dr. Zhu, professor of economics at John Jay College, uh, CUNY, former professor of economics at Renmin University of China and Chinese citizen. An increase in the U.S. defense budget will mean the deployment and or testing of U.S. weapons in South Korea, which endangers the lives of res residents near U.S. bases. U.S. military buildup has led to a perpetual arms race, including nuclear weapons and nuclear threats in Northeast Asia. The deployment of the U.S. THAAD missile defense system in South Korea in 2017 has raised tension in the region and is opposed by many South Koreans. Villagers near the new THAAD base have been protesting every day against the illegal deployment. I join in the call to the Biden administration to reduce the U.S. defense budget and invest in human security, withdraw attention raising weapons systems from Korea, and end the more than 70-year-old Korean War with a peace agreement. That's from Yu Kyung-ko, a consultant for Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, the WILPF and Women-Led Korea Peace Now campaign, and a standing committee member of the Korea Peace Appeal campaign. Next. The U.S. military, excuse me, the, I almost called it the U U.S. military states, and it's, we're kind of are. The United States military continues to negatively impact the lives of people who have never consented to the U.S. military presence, particularly in island nations in the Asia-Pacific region, such as Hawaii, Okinawa, and the Marianas. The military presence places the people of these nations in mortal danger of annihilation, as was demonstrated in 2018 via the false ballistic missile alert in Hawaii, proving that the U.S. military is incapable of protecting us. Furthermore, the military creates a burden in numerous other ways, such as through crime, pollution, and economic deprivation. And that is from Robert Kajiwara, founder of the Peace for Okinawa Coalition. Next. We, members of the International Women's Network Against Militarism, unequivocally oppose the proposed Biden-Pentagon budget, spending nearly 50% of the U.S. discretionary budget, more than the next 10 countries combined, demonstrates the destructive priorities of a society committed more to world military domination than care of its people and the natural environment. Increased militarization in the U.S. and abroad will only create more insecurities, fear, and destruction both at home and abroad, especially in places of massive U.S. military presence, such as Okinawa and Guam. We urge the Biden-Harris administration to withdraw the current proposal and formulate one that will ensure full health care, quality education, and environmental protection. 
and that is from the International Women's Network Against Militarism. So again, um, we'll be posting this article on our webpage at weeklyrev.org, and in the article uh, there are links you can click on to uh, contact your representatives and send them the Code Pink Guide to Pentagon Budget Cuts. So I know this is like, wow, this is there's a lot here, and also they provide action items that folks can take to to speak up and to contact representatives. And also as a reminder, in this article it was mentioned how bad the, the military is for the environment. And it's the US military is actually the number one uh, cause and harm for for the environment. So it's it's really it's just it's bad for everybody, for people, for animals, for nature, for the world. So it's silly that we have to keep on talking about this. And yet here we are. So I'll be providing a link to this article on our webpage. I'm going to rest uh, my voice just a bit. We do have a lot more to get to, though. And oh my gosh, so much more to get to. But I did want to play a little bit more music. And uh, coming up, I also wanted just to share an, another upcoming event. And this is happening on Thursday, June 3rd, from noon to 3 p.m. Pacific time. This is an event, uh, We Take Care of Us, a deep dive into the movement to decriminalize mental health and skin color. And this is from uh, KPFA and the Anti-Terror Police Project. Let's read a little bit about this here and then take a break. Uh, join us on June 3rd for our first virtual regional summit. We take care of us, a deep dive into the movement to decriminalize mental health and skin color. We'll spend an inspiring afternoon learning about how to build replicable and sustainable alternatives to police and prisons for mental health and how we as a community can take care of each other in moments of crisis. The, this was shared by the ABTB. You can follow them on Twitter at ABTP Action. It's also on the KPFA website, and we'll provide a link to this as well on our site at weeklyrev.org. All right, I'm going to uh, play some more Linda Lindas for you all. Um, also in the video, which we will also post a link to, um, they have an interview. So that's after the, the last song that we played. So I'm going to jump to their next song, which is called No Clue. And then uh, after a couple songs, we'll be back with some more news articles and information for you all. So please do stay tuned.
out before we went into lockdown, avoid my classroom motion, that his dad told him to stay away from me. After I told him that I was Chinese, Eloise and I wrote a song based on that experience. About him and all the other racist, sexist boys in this world.